and just bless them or say things like, get them, God, or, you know, something like that. Get them, God. Oh, you're a star. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's nice. That's nice and cold. So I had a, a passion test this morning, a passion check this morning. I'm very passionate about what I'm, I'm about to say this morning because it's in the flow of last week's one and two. But I did have a test this morning, and the test was the, um, the uh, Rugby World Cup um, pullout um, that Juliet uh, got from the newspaper and pinned up on the kitchen door that I got very excited about because you can see how if England does well or your favorite nation, you know, this, I'm not geographically challenged, thank you, um, gets through to the final. So, um, but, um, which I am passionate about, but, but that's right, I, that's right, I, I, that's right. <laughs> Slightly concerned the fact that if England does get through to the semis, I'm actually in New York, uh, which means getting up at four in the morning, which Juliet will love. She, know, she will embrace it. That's right. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, so that came a second to the passion that I have this morning. So that's good. Good passion check. All right. So welcome to um, this little mini-series on uh, raising a, a prophetic culture. And, um, ha. and it's not about doing the function. It's actually uh, with ones and twos. And I explained last week the fact that actually we can all prophesy and we're actually, um, we can all, as somebody walks through that door and they need a word of life, they need a word of strengthening, encouraging, comforting, that you don't look around for the usual suspects because you have that word of life as they enter the door. So it's not looking around, who can I go and get? It's actually, I'm the man, I'm the woman, I'm the child who brings that word of life to that person who needs it there and then, rather than going away, finding the right person, coming back three or four minutes later, and they may have left by that stage. That's what a prophetic culture does. It empowers the body, it empowers the team, so that we all share. And I went last week talking about how we see uh, that the, um, the giftings that we have, not just the prophetic, but are there to serve the church rather than looking to see how the church can serve your gifting. I went into some detail on session two about uh, hysterical pictures of eyes and ears walking down the streets and everything else. Um, trying to do something on their own. And it's much easier if they're connected to a head, which is connected to a body. They can get to places so much quickly, more quickly. And actually, when you get the fruit, you can bring it back because there are a pair of arms connected to the body and et cetera, et cetera. Yes? I got quite passionate about not being a loose cannon, being connected into the local church because actually, you know, that's what God's plan is. Yeah, it may not be perfect, but it's actually that's what God's plan is. You know? 
So, so three and four today. So we're talking about, um, and I make no apologies about the fact that we're focusing on the source, God's heart, the love of God, that place of intimacy first, because out of that flows everything else. Because in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gifts of prophecy. And we all know that, but actually it is the first thing is follow the way of love because actually we are, we end up being where we follow. So if we follow love, we end up being in love. And being in love, all our actions, words, deeds, thoughts, function comes out of love. Whereas if we try and do the function first from a different place, then we might be able to run with it for a few weeks, but then it becomes very clunky. You see through it, people see through it, and actually we just get tired and grumpy, and nobody wants to talk to you anymore. <laughs> so, so the plan is connection, connection with God, connection with the heart of Jesus. That comes down to identity and connection with others. Does that make sense? which is why when Nick was talking about the cafe, it's so important because that is a, an overflow of that connection, isn't it? Yeah? So that's a recap of one and two. Hmm. And the feedback has been very good. Thank you for those people in America and uh, France that have actually fed back, that have been listening to it on the podcast. So thank you um, for putting these up on, on the SoundCloud. Um, so yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Whew. Let it be. It's good, isn't it? Right. Um, so I thank Nick uh, for the segue into session three. Um, uh, Nick posted um, uh, a great uh, passage from Corinthians on the Bay Facebook, was it? You, the group. And this is, this is um, marvelous for leading to session three. Which session three I'm going to talk about this morning is about um, um, character, gifting, etc. Which is very good. Because actually we're talking about um, the gift of prophecy. But it actually needs to be built upon character. Because again, we're going to get into the, the mechanism in numbers in session five and six, and we're going to do lots of this is what we do, this is what we do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But without that being built on character, that gifting will actually not achieve the full potential that it could do. Yeah. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15, the Passion Translation says, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us, because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him, so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, I put in, in, in um, brackets, orphan, self-absorbed lives, 
but live lives that are poured out for him, brackets, sons and daughters, the one who died for us and now lives again. Because for all the gifts that we have, what motivates us? It's not the look at me, look at me, look at me, celebrity culture thing. It is the love of Christ that compels me and you to go and do the things that you want to do, to risk the things that you do, to risk looking stupid for the benefit of others. And that's why we're talking about character and gifting this morning, because actually if we, are, if we prophesy, if we have a gift at the character which is rooted in the love of Christ, then the love of Christ compels us to do stuff which where we are often at a disadvantage for the benefit of the person that is opposite you. Think about it. On Friday night we had Speaks of Life in Blythe. I don't live in Blythe. I've got no connection with Blythe. It was, there was about 85 people there that traveled up, most of which had no connection with Blythe. We were there for the benefit of that community in Blythe. It was an amazing evening. For those that were there, it was an amazing evening. Um, and it was team, and thank you, Anna, for pulling that together. And, uh, and there was team there that night. It was amazing. But actually, so people were sewing into something that they may never see. Legacy is actually kind of cultivating or planting seeds that will grow into a garden that you may never see. And unless you've got your character sorted out and it's rooted in the love of Jesus, you won't do that because you don't see the point of doing that because you say it should be look, you'll be saying, why should I do that when I won't see the fruits of it? Because I will only do what I can reap and actually get the benefit of. Does that make sense? That is a self-absorbed life, according to that passage. But a life that is poured out will just keep pouring out, but it won't be running dry because you are rooted and established in the love of Christ that resources you so you become a life-flowing, life-giving river that cannot help but pour out over everybody you meet. Shay! You can't help it. And then you live in that passage in Proverbs, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It falls down when you try and mimic that which you see, but you're not linked in with the love of Christ. So you run for a little while under your own steam, under your own petrol, and then you run out and you think, well, what was all that about? Yeah? Anybody been there? Yeah. I think we all have. <laughs> so Brian Simmons, I think it's Brian Simmons, isn't it? The man behind the Passion Translation. He writes underneath this 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15. says, all believers have a compelling force that motivates and moves us forward. The mighty love of Christ. His love pouring over us and our love pouring out to him. This is the holy flame that burns within our hearts. It's time for us to live the way we are loved. 
It's time for us to live the way we are loved. Wow. I am challenged in a good way by that. Not in a condemning way, but in a good way. And then he says, feed the fire. Shaker. I, I, knew, I knew I would. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I knew I had to say that, but I'm, I'm not sure if I can get shaker. Get through the rest of this now. Whoa. Yeah. Ha. Ha. Keep, so I've just gone on and said, keep the fire on the altar burning. Where we die to self. That's a good way of bringing wood to the altar. Every time we do that, and we actually prefer the person opposite, and actually it's not that we're, we're denying ourselves, because actually you receive all the goodness of God, but then you're passing that on, because it's too good to keep to yourself. So in that place of intimacy, we receive that which we can give away because how can you give away that which you haven't got? I love Leviticus 6 verse 12, all right? Because it talks about keeping the fire on the altar burning. (laughs) Isabel wants me to move on because you find... (laughs) You find it, I would just let it out, Isabel. I mean, just, you know, just like, let it out. Because there's more of this, actually. So it's, um, so for a period of time, for about two or three years, I went around the world collecting spiritual firewood, which I gave to um, a church leader, which you all know about. Um, I'm not going to tell you his name. Um, and uh, stuff happened because that was part of the wood that they needed to put on that altar. Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says, His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That gives a great concept to let the word of God dwell in you richly because as we read the love song, the love story of God in his word, we follow the way of love and and we end up being in love. Which feeds our heart like a fire and then we get to the point where we can't hold it in anymore and it has to come out. So Jeremiah was born way before Frozen, the film. (laughs) And the paraphrase of that verse is, just let it go. I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. Because this session will be remembered for all the wrong reasons. Okay. Hmm. That's done me a lot of good, I tell you. Woo! Okay, come on, Mark, focus. Okay, so there are hopefully four things I'd like to bring to you. If I don't get through to all four, we'll carry them on this, this afternoon because we're actually going to talk about uh, Sphere of Influence this evening, our Metron, because this leads into that. Because actually in terms of um, prophesying out of character, 
and sonship and daughtership rather than orphan spirit, then means that we have to think about the area of influence that God gives us to actually do that. And we'll talk about that tonight. Which is why sometimes, again, we might end up having a lot of activity and we get worn out because we're actually in the wrong sphere of influence. Which is why you can actually seem to do a lot and have a smile on your face because you know you're doing the right thing because it fits your yes. that The yes you've said to God. Okay, so. Character and gifting. A gift is a gift. I could be a grot bag person. I could be a middling person or a good person who everybody loves and I love everybody. But actually, I could, all those three scenarios, you can receive the same gift. Yes? So it's not dependent on who I am, that gift. That gift is given, it's taken away, it's given, isn't it? It's not dependent upon the merit of who that person is. So if I, give a pers- if I just choose a person and say, here, have this gift, and you'll say, well, they're not a very good person, but I've still given them the gift. It's my choice. And how we often confuse uh, gifting with character. All right? And how that fits into the narrative of today, if you look at a lot of TV programs where we celebrate, uh, where we have celebrity culture, and actually if we dig down underneath, what is there underneath? Yeah, That's not a criticism, it's just we have to have the two matching up. And actually, the best way a gift can flourish is on the framework of amazing character. Because if you have a gift, I mean, I'm like a Tigger-type person, as you probably know. I bounce up and down a lot, you know, and um, which is generally a good thing. Not a good thing first thing in the morning, I hear. (laughs) 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 But once we've gone past that moment, it's a great great thing. So imagine, take a ball of energy, bouncing up and down on one side of a river, all right? Gifting, wants to get across to the other side. I can see, you know, gifting, I can see things I can do there, I can see all this sort of stuff. But it cannot get to the other side of the river. If that gifting then combines itself with a structure, think of a tree or something like that, which actually stretches over the river, that gifting can then, combined with that character, that bough of the tree, can then go over the river and affect the other side. So gifting on character enables that gifting to expand the realms and the spheres of the influence of that gifting. Does that make sense? So we're thinking, well, I'm not sure about this gifting malarkey. You know, it's, it sounds like a bit like hard work to me. But it allows the gifts that you have to actually expand the, ter- the, the territories that God has given you. And sometimes we get frustrated because it isn't happening. 
it might be that God is just saying, well, Mark, you know, there's a little bit of your character here that actually could just come into line with my plans, wills, and purposes for your life. Just submit to that. And you go, oh, my goodness, that has completely aligned myself. And now I can stretch out over this place that I want to get to, and I can now affect it. Frustration gone. Happy days. Because when we're frustrated, sometimes we take it out on other people who have nothing to do with that. And of course, that's never happened to anybody in this room. Does that make sense? Joseph had a few character issues. We have character issues. God is working them out, which is great. But Joseph had amazing gifting, yeah? The sheaves, the sun, the moon, the stars, everybody bowing down, everything else. And he opened his mouth and actually he, he was probably a bit carried away by it all. And the response to his audience was not great, was it? Resulting in being thrown in a pit and everything else. And then he came... Then he was getting lots of favor and everything else in um, uh, Potiphar's uh, house. And then he, had, then he was confronted with uh, Potiphar's wife. And because that didn't go well, he actually ended up being in prison for a while. And during that time, he actually his character, if you read commentaries about that, actually people um, have said that actually... Um, Potiphar's wife, the issue with Potiphar's wife, or in other words, um, um, opposition in your life, actually in the case of Joseph's, it actually formed good character. Because actually he needed that for the moment when he basically saved a nation and nations. So sometimes you think, well, this is a bit difficult. I didn't ask for this. It might be that God is just actually allowing an aspect of our character to be highlighted and out of kindness to the nation and the nations that he is calling you to down the line, that he's saying, Mark, actually, we just need to kind of sort this one out now when it's a little bit more private. And actually, you know, a prison is a private place. You know, <laughs> you're on your own. Okay, you're with prisoners, but you're, you're out of the view of society. Actually, God sometimes just says, we'll, do, we'll just deal with this in private. Because when I give you a public platform, we'll need this issue sorted. Because actually, God does then not want your head to be turned by the amazing gifting and favor on your life by pleasing man. rather than pleasing God. <coughs> so we are all nation changes. We are all environment changes. And actually, part of the process is submitting ourselves to the character-shaping things that God is doing in our lives now. And say, okay, God, what is this opposition? What is the equivalent of the pot of his wife? What is the equivalent of when it talks about in Romans 5, 4, about perseverance and character leads to character and character leads to hope. What is that? 
that you're doing in my life because I know I'm called to greatness. And so I, you know, thank you, God, that actually you're allowing me to sort this out amongst a group of friends, privately or whatever, so that I don't have to deal with this publicly when it comes to that moment. And God can put you on a platform. He can put you in the, in the middle of central government. He can put you in places of political and business importance, educational things like that, because he knows that your head won't be turned by the favor that he gives you and the gifts of prophecy and everything else that he gives you. And actually you're thinking, well, my goodness, I've just appeared in front of, in my case, somebody in the Security Council of the United Nations. Your head can be easily turned when you get a prophetic word for someone in that arena. Unless you know that actually you're, you're God-pleasing and not man-pleasing, you have to know that at that moment. And I'm grateful to God that he dealt with that before I got in that scenario. So there we go. So how do we fuse character and gifting? Because what we don't want, we don't want like all character, no gifting, and all gifting and no character. That's kind of not the right way, is it? That's not balance. So we, we're talking about how to fuse this amazing character and this amazing gifting. Two of the answers are humility and godly authority leadership in your life, being submitted to a local church. And I'm sorry that I'm following on from um, any loose cannons out there who listen to this who didn't like my session two will not like what I'm going to say in session three. Because actually we need, if we've got extreme gifting, we need to be submitted to the local church. We need to be submitted to people who will get round us and actually give us a reality check, but also to propel us forward into the calling that God has given us. Because that is what godly authority and leadership and accountability is all about. And you can only get that in the local church. So you're not surrounded by maybe one person who just agrees with what you say all the time. Or even in extreme circumstances of loose cannons, you're your own publicity. And you start to believe your own publicity, and it doesn't end well. And we've all seen that. That's why being part of a local church is so important. I have so many accountability structures. I'm looking at David here, who's around me, Alan, Paul Fennick. There's those circle, then there's as one, and then there's other people that pray for me every day, etc., uh, etc. Et there are so many people that can say and give me a slapping in the nice way and say, Mark, you know, come on, wake up and smell the coffee. And conversely, Mark, this, you're, this is amazing. Actually, you're, you're doing well, but actually, have you seen the view? Have you seen the place that God wants to take you? Fly, but fly higher. Fly, but fly further. We need people like that in our lives. And if you haven't, begin to ask God who they should be. Because particularly the prophetic 
and I write about this a lot in, in the book that I wrote, flourishes under godly authority. Because it enables you to fly higher and further. Humility. If you've never read The Final Quest by Rick Joyner, read it. Talks about the most desirable thing that the person wore in that story was a breast, this, this breastplate or something like that, which was humility. And the angels just like were completely bamboozled by it because it was like, this is amazing. Because it is a choice. It's a choice, isn't it? Anything which is a choice, the angelic just kind of like, oh my goodness, so they choose to worship God. They choose to do this. They choose to follow Jesus. They choose. You know, we're not commanded. We choose. We choose to give God our yes. We choose to show up. We choose to reach out a hand. We choose to prefer someone else for four hours in ministry, you know, because actually we just see the goodness of God in what he's doing and we just forget about the time, you know. Can I tell you a story about Isaiah? Want to find my notes? So, we want to see more of God in our lives. We want to see miracles and signs and wonders and stuff happening and nations being changed and all that sort of stuff, don't we? Yeah? Okay. So, what's humility got to do with that? Well, um, humility deals with pride. Yeah? Okay. What does, what does pride do to God? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if there's pri- pride there, there's a resistance of God. He opposes that which has pride at the center of it. Yeah? So we want to see more of God. Pride gets in the way of that because God will oppose it. Therefore, the antidote to that is to, to take the pride out. And what's, what do you put in instead? Humility. Uzziah, if you read the first five chapters of Isaiah, not a lot happened. All right, I love the Bible. I read it every year. I'm through my 24th, 25th time, something like that. And actually, when I get to the first five chapters of Isaiah, it is a bit, you know, there's not a lot going on. All of a sudden, chapter six, all takes off. Yes? Have you been there? Yeah? It's amazing, isn't it? It's like light and day. Night and day, isn't it? It's like black and white color. Whew. I'm glad we've got rid of those first because it's now all color. So what happened at the end of chapter five, beginning of chapter six? King Uzziah died. Why is that important? In the year that King Uzziah died, you know, da da da, you know, glory of God filled the temple and all this stuff started kicking off, right? If you read his story, he actually started well. And then he started to look at the resources and the giftings that he had. We're talking character and gifting here. He thought, oh, I've got a big army. Oh, I'm doing well. Oh, I think I'll just kind of do this a bit more my own and ignore the counsel that I'm getting from the priests, local church, accountability. Yeah? 
and it started to go badly to the extent that actually um, he got leprosy. Right? Go and read the story. The priest said, don't do this, don't do that. He said, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. I don't need to listen to counsel anymore. He started to believe his own press, character versus gifting. Okay, so character, good character with good gifting means that actually we, we, that God, we, there is amazing stuff happening in our lives, but we don't believe the press. We don't actually become people-pleasing. We're, we're still God-pleasing. Does that make sense? So our head is not turned... Because when our head is turned to people-pleasing, we do not focus on God anymore. And that was sessions one and two, about focusing on the love of Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is really important. Thinking, Mark, what's this got to do with prophecy? Everything. Everything that comes out of my mouth that has changed people's lives and actually government situations and stuff that I'm not allowed to talk about in China and all this sort of stuff has come from that place of extreme focus on the love of Jesus. Because at that point, that's when your character gets sorted out. So God can actually say, amazing, Mark, we've got another facet to the foundational fa structure of your life. We can actually just put a bit more gifting on there. You now have something to receive that gifting with. It can reach further. So your reach increases. But actually, when it gets to a point where actually stuff is happening... And there's a, there's a danger of a celebrity culture that your head is then not turned away from the focus that you had to focus on the adulation or the results or everything else where you're getting business deals and stuff like that. You know, I'm putting myself in other people's places. Millions of this, that, the other. Your focus isn't focused on the success and the fruit. It's still focused on Jesus and that intimate place that we talked about earlier. It's easy, isn't it? So, when you read Isaiah um, 6, just say, in the year that pride died. There's more on that, but I, I need to press on. Ha. Huh. So that deals with counsel, accountability, doesn't it? So in this safe place, this amazing place of God's love, we're concerned with what God says about us rather than with what others say about us. In other words, we listen to the, vo the love songs of God, the Zephaniah 3.17, which drowns out other stuff. So, from that place of security, reaching out, gifting on character, how do we react to other people's successes? Here's a biggie. I have seen this finish so badly in people's lives that I work with about how they react to other people's successes, and also in the church as well. How do you react to other people's successes when it's not happening in your life? Don't pretend now. 
This is a big one. Because an orphan spirit, a self-absorbed spirit, which is what we read about in the Corinthians passage in the, in the Passion Translation, the one that Nick gave us this morning, <laughs> a few days ago, but I'm preaching off the back of, would find that very threatening. Because actually, attention-seeking orphan spirit is actually saying, oh, not a lot's happening in my life. Oh my goodness, Karen Vickers is getting all the attention. I'm not sure if I like that. Particularly if it's an area that I want to succeed in as well. Whereas a son and daughter would say, yay, come on. Not only rejoice, but to actually to pray for more of it. It's not just, it's not just tolerating. This isn't, we're not tolerating success. We are championing success in others. That is the response of a son and daughter. What does that do? It opens up the Deuteronomy 28.12 barn storehouse of goodness over you. Because by me putting myself in that position why I'm championing somebody's success, I am inadvertently opening up a storehouse of goodness over me To receive that which I'm championing in somebody else's life. Come on. That is so important. Leah's at the back going, come on. She's almost like smacking her head against the wall. This is so important, isn't it, Leah? It's like, <laughs> honestly, success just in and out of the church, in your job. It is so important. It is so important. People can read you. When you're not excited about that success, you know. They don't need Jesus in their life to be able to read your body language. Right? People aren't stupid. Oh, yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah, great, great, yeah. I'm really pleased you got that promotion that I was hoping to get. Hope it goes well for you. <laughs> And also it counters this aspect of championing success in other people's life. It, count, it counters the schadenfreude thing, right, which is German Juliet for, well, basically, it's, so anyway, but basically schadenfreude is actually rejoicing in other people's downfall. So, so you, you know, you know the story, you know, it's the fact that people, you get, ex you see people getting excited when actually uh, it's going well and then all of a sudden they get knocked down and you think, yeah, I knew, I knew it would finish that badly. I knew it would go that way. And you rejoice in that and you can buy into that. What does that do? Deuteron Deuteronomy 28, 12, doors start to start to kind of let, get a little bit kind of tight now. You know, the, the portal is not so big as it was. Because what we're proclaiming in their lives, we're actually proclaiming in our lives, which actually affects our alignment to God. It's, just, it's, just, it's not that actually it's not happening. It's just that I've decided to move out of the flow of what God is, was flowing down on me, and I'm actually over here now. Because I've actually partnered up with a lie. I've partnered up with actually not championing people. And actually my Deuteronomy 28.12 is there, but I'm so self-absorbed that I've actually not noticed that I've moved from there to here. So my Deuteronomy 28.12 shower is still there. It's just that I'm not under it. 
because I've actually moved and haven't even noticed it. Yeah? Harm joy. Thank you, Juliet. Schadenfreude means harm joy. So here I am, Deuteronomy 28, 12. So if you want some homework today, ask yourself, how do you react to other people's success? And don't beat yourself up if the answer is not great. Don't do the enemy's work for him. Just say, God, clearly I've got a bit of an issue here. It's a character thing. I need to get sorted out. Just deal with it, please. I'm just submitting myself to you. And actually, thank you, God, that actually you're doing it in private. You're in, I'm actually not going through public humiliation. <laughs> kindness of God so I can get it sorted out so actually when it comes really important in my life it's already done or with a group of your accountability friends and if you haven't got any get some so that's about dealing with the orphan spirit in your life and there's more to it but how about reacting to the orphan spirit in other people's lives So when you're reacting with people and you're, you're, you know, let's say I've got it sorted, son and daughter, boom, I'm here, Deuteronomy 28.12, I'm getting covered, showered with, with all the amazing stuff God is giving me, you know, and then someone comes and speaks to me and basically they've got an orphan spirit, which basically means that they want to control me, they want to manipulate me, they want me to do what they want me to do. What is my response? If someone with an orphan spirit, and this is very quick, of, of, I could talk about this for an hour, all right, because I've had many experiences of this, and I have been trained. God has trained me to use the right vocabulary. So if anybody with an orphan spirit asks you to do something, if you say other than the words no, they will accept it as a yes. But I didn't want to say no because I wanted to be kind. No, you wanted to be man-pleasing. Because what happens is, if you say, well, I'll think about it, that's a yes to them. Oh, I'll go away and pray about it for two weeks. That's still a yes? Possibly, that's a yes. Probably not, still a yes. So then, by, by not wanting to offend, we say, oh, well, I didn't want to offend them, so I thought I would go along with it. Then, where does that take you? That takes you into their orphan spirit realm, which takes you out of the place that you were in that Deuteronomy 28.12 to somewhere where you shouldn't be in someone else's sphere, metron, influence, where you shouldn't be, because God hasn't put you there, and he's not giving you the grace to do it. And then a few months down the line, you feel trapped because you're actually doing something that your heart is not into because actually your heart is actually connected to Jesus and actually Jesus is, what is not wanting to do that. So you feel in conflict in that situation because you're doing something in a situation you feel trapped in.
And then you start to resent the person that actually got you into that place. It's like being in a potted plant. You've grown too big. Your roots have hit in the potted plant and you start blaming the pot. It's got nothing to do with the pot. You, you were compliant with this. You should have got out of the, you should have found a bigger pot. Then you don't complain against the pot. Wow. Sorry, I can, I could, um, this is really important, but um, I, I need to keep. <laughs> Whew. So, by being nice, man-pleasing, we have been coaxed out of where we should be into a place where we are not called to be. And so we take partnership with the orphan spirit and so we reap from that because we're in the wrong type of place. And the kindness to the person that is operating out of an orphan spirit is to say, no, I can't do that, but have you thought of this, that or the other to give a framework which actually is a solution which will put them in a place of being a son or a daughter rather than an orphan. So they begin then to start reaping the benefits of being a son or a daughter, Deuteronomy 28.12, and all the other stuff. So it's not just a no, it's a no, and here's a framework. That's what I've learned. And they go, that's amazing, I'll try that. I mean, they'll ask you the same question maybe two or three times, just to check that your no is still a no, because they're still operating out of an orphan spirit. So be prepared for that. And do smile when you say no. It really helps. I'm very good at smiling when I say no. <laughs> I say no to at least two-thirds of the things that I'm not, you know, asked or comes my way. And it's not just a no, I'm not going to help you. It's no, but I got, there's a framework here, there's a, framework, there's a solution, a, king, a kingdom solution. Whether I'm in the church or out of the church, the principles of the kingdom of God work in the secular world. All right? We've all got testimony that in terms of business deals, success, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah? We don't have to say, and the word of the Lord says. <laughs> there are moments for that. And they will come back and say, actually, um, particularly prophetic people, they, you know, businesses like prophetic people around because they like them because they are their lucky mascots. I do not like the word lucky because it's to do with Lucifer. I know that, but that's the terminology that they will say, won't they, Annie? We like you being on our boards and stuff like that because good things happen. Because you bring son and daughtership, you bring intimacy, you bring fruitfulness, you bring that character and gifting to the place, not just the gifting. Okay, I've got eight minutes, and I'm on my last point. Oh my goodness! This is amazing. Thank you, God. I've been trying to keep that fire that we started off earlier um, 
under my hat because I needed to get through all of this. And, and it's kind of bubbling up, and I can feel it. I can feel the fire. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, come on, Mark. You can do it. Sometimes when, when you're in situations, and I'm not going to tell you what situations they are, sometimes you just have to go into, a, into like a room and, and kind of go, whoa, like that. And then, and then come out of that room and you're fine because obviously in some situations it's not appropriate to manifest, you know. I feel like that. I could just go through that door come, and I'll feel a lot better, you know. So I was talking to um, uh, um, someone last Sunday morning, and they felt overwhelmed by um, stuff, all right? And so I prayed that they would be actually instead be overwhelmed by the love of God. What has this got to do with gifting, prophecy, character, everything, all right? Because actually, if we go back to that love place... We want to be overwhelmed by, as we're compelled by the love of God, we want to be overwhelmed by the love of God. So we actually end up doing stuff that actually when we think about it the next day, we think, oh my goodness me, did I do that? That often happens to me. Stuff where people say, Mark, you're so brave, you're so courageous, you take these risks and all that. And then, and then the next day I think, oh my goodness, did I do that? <laughs> you know, if I'd thought about it, I probably would have, you know, but actually you feel compelled. You feel compelled by the love of God. You've given God your yes. And so that's it. And you know it's going to end up really well. So you don't tend to think about the details. Because that takes you out of that place of just, well, I'll just play it safe. So, Psalm 42 says, Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers are swept over me. In that moment, all you can hear is the crash of the wave of God's love. You cannot hear the adulation of your peers. You cannot hear the demands and, uh, of, of other things. You cannot hear the persuasive tones of the enemy and the demons who are wanting you to abandon your place as a son and a daughter and to actually end up being an orphan. Because that's what the enemy wants you to be. An orphan, not to actually, because actually we're already sons and daughters, and it's walking out in that authority. So the enemy will try and overwhelm us with stuff. So we're not overwhelmed by the love of God. Because if we're overwhelmed by other stuff, and we're not overwhelmed by the love of God, we don't do the stepping out, we don't do the risk-taking, we don't go beyond what we would normally do. We don't actually say, well, I'll just pray for that, or I'll just do that, and, and amazing stuff happens. Because actually we're into containment, and actually we, we, don't, we don't want to do stuff which doesn't benefit us. So there are certain reg flag statements that I've learnt in my life. And actually the last time I used this phrase was probably about seven or eight years ago. And the time before that was probably about another five. And before that it was more frequent. But I'll try this phrase on you. 
If I don't do that, who else is going to do it? I've got so much to do, da 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 I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. If I don't do it, it's like, you know, there's this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. If, if I don't do this, no one else will be able to do it. Anybody use that statement? You may not have used those words, but think about that context. What does that say? It says, I am feeling overwhelmed by the stuff that is in front of me. So I'm coming out with statements like, oh, I've got to do this. There is so much to do. I've got to do it. If no one else does it, if I don't do it, no one else will, which is untrue. It is a sign that when I've said that, that I'm not being overwhelmed by the love of God. I'm letting the stuff that is in my life overwhelm me. And if it's overwhelming me, then I cannot actually have a true focus on the love of God. Because I am being overwhelmed by a different wave that is crashing over me. And it isn't the love of God. And if I've got a different wave crashing over me, which is not the love of God, that's all I'm hearing. And that's that's how I will manifest in terms of my relationships, what I say, everything else. Does this make sense? I last used that phrase eight years ago to myself in my room, and it was a red flag to me. I'm thinking, okay, God, so what is happening in my life that has caused me to say that phrase? God pointed it out. I dealt with it. We moved on. You keep short accounts. That's Honestly, this morning is about building blocks in our lives which will enable us to actually then become really effective in the sphere of influence that God has given us. Does that make sense? So then we can walk about, and I've got one minute to go, in the authority that we already have, that the demons don't have, all right, so when the de- you know, de- demons came, you know, the third of them was expelled from heaven, proximity to God. We can talk about proximity to God and authority and power and all that sort of stuff. But they've got power, but they haven't got authority. We have that exousia, that authority, and actually we can walk in the power of the dunamis, which is linked to character and gifting, which is linked to sonship. Because actually, as sons and daughters, that is our inheritance. That authority is our inheritance. As sons and daughters of the living God. The enemy is like scared of us getting the reality of that because we become powerful weapons. And actually, you know, effective for the kingdom of God. He, he is absolutely apoplectic about us getting the reality of that. Wants to turn our head all the time. So, I'm going to put all that together tonight in terms of our sphere of influence on our metron. So if you want any homework for this afternoon, think about your red flag statements that you might say when you're feeling overwhelmed. Come to your senses. Run to the love of God. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't do the enemy's work. And ask God to say, actually, Mark, we just need a little tweak in that area of your life. Okay, God, so what's that going to look like?
Okay, I'm going to finish this scripture, and then we're done. And I'm happy to, to pr- if anything that, um, that has, God has prompted you about today, that you think, actually, Mark, that's me, that's me, that's me, there's this point, that's me, I'm happy to come, and this ministry team, happy to come and pray about that. So tonight we're bringing it together in one big metron sphere of influence, and that then you'll see what your field is and how the giftings that we will put together in five and six, the way what we do it, will actually be totally effective. So Psalm 139, verses 5 to 11 says, You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. So, Lord God, we just thank you. There's a lot in there. And, Lord God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would come and filter out what is important to me and what isn't, that we would hold on to that which, um, Lord God, that you're pointing out, that you'd sift the meat from the bones. And, Father God, we just thank you and we just give you permission to tweak those things in our character, even this afternoon. And we're excited about the framework that is being changed to enable the giftings that we receive right now to stretch over the river to increase the influence to those areas (laughs) and maybe cause a few crashings to happen as the enemy's kingdom comes crashing down to the ground. That we become history changers, history makers, environment changers. And that our legacy goes beyond that which we see ourselves and to other generations. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Fantastic stuff. Um, The podcast will be up sometime early this afternoon.